Do you have a quiet ego or a noisy ego? We all know people whose ego walks into the room before they do. A quiet ego, on the other hand, is self-assured, but always makes room for others. Join me today as we learn more about cultivating a quiet ego. What does it mean to love and work well? And how do I pursue what truly matters? Working at the intersection of business and psychology, I help you answer these questions and more so you can focus priorities, inspire change, lead with courage, and live with more joy today. Hi, I'm Dr. Melissa Smith. Welcome to the Pursue What Matters podcast, where we focus on what it takes to thrive in love and work. So ego, everyone's got one. Um, and ego gets a bad rap uh, because we see a lot of really big egos. We see sometimes uh, narcissistic characteristics. Uh, but ego is not necessarily a problem. Uh, the thing about ego is we want to keep it in check. And so there is some research uh, coming out about the concept of a quiet ego. And I just really love that term. And I think it can be a really helpful one for us as we uh, look in the mirror, as we develop more curiosity and self-awareness. And so that's what we're going to focus on today. And hopefully you'll find something that's useful for you. Of course, every week with the podcast, my goal is to help you pursue what matters by strengthening your confidence to lead in one of three areas. So leading with clarity, leading with curiosity, and leading a community. And really having good awareness and keeping your ego in check is useful in all three of these areas, right? If we have an unbounded ego, it's really easy to lose clarity and a sense of purpose and focus in our lives. Uh, It's also really important to have curiosity because that is what helps us to have self-awareness and to really keep ourselves in check. Uh, And then, of course, it's so important when we're leading and building a community because what we know is uh, people don't want to be led by narcissists. People don't want to be led by people with super loud, noisy egos uh, because it, it doesn't leave much room for other people. And of course, when it comes to leading a community, building a team, working as a team, whether at work or home, uh, collaboration is the name of the game. Like we need one another. And so let's jump in uh, to this Uh, to this topic with our first point, which is uh, looking really at the self as a resource versus looking at the self as an enemy. And so that's kind of my question for you. Do you see your ego as a resource or as your enemy? So according to Barry Scott Kaufman, he's a great uh, researcher and author uh, of several books, but the one in particular that this research comes from is known as transcend. He he points out that the self can be our greatest resource, but it can also be our darkest enemy. So uh, it's important to pay attention to that. That ego isn't necessarily the enemy, but we really do need to have good awareness about it and be able to keep it in check. Uh, and so, you know, the sense of self uh, really is important for our integration as humans. So fundamentally, human capacities for self-awareness, self-reflection, and self-control are essential for reaching our goals. So having an integrated sense of self is pretty darn important. Uh, Sometimes when we don't have an integrated sense of self, you know, we see that as psychosis. We see that as, you know, kind of debilitating mental health concerns. So ego is not the enemy. Ego is not a problem. Uh, We need a healthy sense of self. Um, 
But here's the other side of that coin, right? It's, 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 there's a double edged sword here. The self has a perpetual desire to be seen in a positive light. <laughs> so as humans, this is part of, you know, we're wired for connection. And so, you know, we, we can really, uh, really skew things to be seen in a positive light. And sometimes that means we're not very genuine. Sometimes that means uh, that that we're dishonest. Sometimes that means that we tell people what they want to hear and uh, then talk about them behind their back, right? Um, so the self or the ego will do anything to disavow responsibility for any negative outcome associated with it. Because the self or the ego is first and foremost about self-preservation. And so if there is anything that is perceived to be a threat to the self, the ego goes right into protection mode and defense mode. And so, you know, that ego can really make us quite defensive because we're really trying to uh, maintain our sense of self. And maintaining a sense of self is not a problem, but we go too far. Uh, we see, you know, any kind of critical feedback or a concern as a threat to the self, a threat to the ego. And so our response is outsized. Our response includes a lot of defensiveness or blaming. And so uh, we really want to keep that in check. Uh, and the other thing is that the self can engender, so this comes from uh, Kaufman from his book, uh, the self engenders a self zoo of self-defense mechanisms, meaning we develop all sorts of defense mechanisms to try and preserve our sense of self. And uh you know, I kind of highlighted this term preserve, but like we're aiming at the wrong target. So we see threats um, where we don't, there aren't really threats. And so we can kind of have these outsized responses. So, uh, so the first point is that our sense of self is important. It's part of being human. Um, it's part of what keeps us integrated and mentally healthy. But there is, you know, uh, that there's a double-edged sword to that because that self really we we really like to be seen in a positive light and so that can lead us to getting defensive or engaging other you know specific defense mechanisms that really get in the way of um of of connection and communication and collaboration so next we want to look at the the second point which is really zeroing in on this idea of the ego so um the the Ego, like I said at the beginning, is something as humans we all have. Um, it is essential to being human. To being human, it involves our sense of self. So what we just talked about, it can serve to protect us. So the ego can be very helpful at times. Um, however, it can become outsized and end up hurting us rather than helping us. And you know, when we think about someone who we describe as egomaniacal or narcissistic or grandiose, that's usually what we're talking about: is their egos become outsized and it's not helpful like it, it's hurtful to other people and um, hurtful to the self as well and so uh, when we think about the ego it is the defensive strategies um, that the self uses to see itself in a positive light um, and this can all be summed up as the ego. So the ego is kind of this collection of defense strategies that the self uses to maintain um, being seen in a positive light. And of course, we know that that doesn't always work. Um, and now let's talk about the difference between a noisy ego and a quiet ego. So 
most of us can probably think of people we know who have noisy egos. Think about the people that annoy you or frustrate you, or, you know, maybe you feel worse about yourself when, when you're with these people. Um, but a noisy ego spends so much time defending the self as if the self were a real thing. Um, and so they do the, a noisy ego is when a person really is constantly asserting themselves or constantly getting defensive or they're very protective and it can inhibit the very goals that they're striving towards. So maybe they're striving towards more collaboration, but their defensiveness really gets in the way. Um, Whereas a quiet ego is very different. And this is a term uh, developed by the researcher uh, Heidi Wayment. So her team has been really coined the term quiet ego and have done a lot of fun research on this topic. So when we think about a quiet ego, it's really grounded in both Buddhist philosophy and humanistic psychology. So if you're into mindfulness and Buddhism, you might recognize some of the components. But it's also a term that's backed by empirical research in positive psychology. And so it's it's really a great concept to consider. And it focuses on balancing interests of the self and of others. So right, like, Part of having a healthy ego is that you have good boundaries between yourself and others. You don't, you're not always self-sacrificing because of course that would be a problem for you, but it is really balancing the interests of the self and of others. And if we think about this description of a quiet ego, this is this is something that's absolutely required for a successful relationship. So we think about marriage, we think about our most important relationships, this ability to balance the interests of yourself versus the interests of the one that you love. Boy, that's the work. That's the work of meaningful relationships. A quiet ego also includes cultivating growth of the self and of others over time. So again, it's that balancing. It's not abandoning your own dreams or your own goals, but it's really looking at yes and. Yes, I want to do this. And how do I make that work? How do we make it work um, in light of other obligations and other desires and interests? And when we can cultivate a quiet ego. It's really based on self-awareness, right? So I'm always talking about self-awareness and that's really one of the foundations for a quiet ego. Um, It's also based on an interdependent identity. And again, this is a really crucial factor when it comes to successful relationships, successful marriages, is more than um, independent versus dependent, we really need to take an interdependent view that we're in this together. Uh, You know, and I think about that, like with my guy friend, uh, this this year we will be married 30 years, which is kind of crazy. And... I can, you know, so we married, I was pretty young when we married. We both were young actually, but, um, I can, I can say like with, with probably every decision, but certainly big decisions in my life from the, from the time that we've been together, they were never decisions just based on me and what I wanted or, you know, what I felt was important. Like every decision has been in light of us. And what does this mean for us? What does this mean for our goals as a family? What does this mean for our uh, relationship? And so being able to take that perspective of interdependence rather than um, 
independence or even dependence. And then the other factor that a quiet ego is based on is compassionate experience. So I love this idea. So first of all, compassion and being able to practice that with others. Um, and the researchers, um, share that paradoxically, uh, quieting the ego is so much more effective in cultivating well-being, growth, health, productivity, and a healthy self-esteem than, than it is to uh, focus exclusively on self-enhancement. When we focus on self-enhancement or making ourselves look better, we develop a very noisy ego and we undermine our well-being. We undermine growth, health, productivity. So it's it's a paradox there and it's really very, uh, very helpful to uh, pay attention to. So now I want to talk about uh, four components of the quiet ego. And this is some research by Heidi Wayment, and it's, uh, it's um, included in the book Transcend. So I highly recommend that book by Scott Barry Kaufman. Uh, the first component is detached awareness. And you might recognize that from Buddhist philosophy. I'll talk more about each of these, but I want to list them first. The second one is inclusive identity. So we can see ourselves in light of others. Third is perspective taking. That's really important. And then fourth is growth mindedness. So let's unpack those um, a little bit more so you can, you know, have a little more clarity on these four components. So the first component is detached awareness. So folks with a quiet ego are engaged. They have a non-defensive form of attention to the present moment. They're aware of both the positives and the negatives of a situation. And I think like when I think about this description, I think about grounded, like they're able to see things clearly. They're not tossed about by whatever the stressors are. Um, Attention is detached from more ego-driven evaluations of the present moment. And they attempt above all else, and I think this is so important, to see reality as clearly as possible. And, you know, that's one of the worries that I have about our society is we we don't see reality clearly. And here's the thing that really concerns me is we don't seem to care about reality. Like people just like create their own truth and, you know, they, they create their own experience and, and it's not true, right? Right. Reality is a thing. Um, and so this, this, um, desire to see reality as clearly as possible leads to better decision-making. Um, it requires openness and acceptance to whatever you might discover about yourself or others in the present moment while also letting the moment unfold as naturally as possible. And this is really such a key component of mindfulness. So this is really where we see that Buddhist philosophy coming in. Um, There's the ability to revisit thoughts and feelings that have already occurred, to examine them more objectively, to bring in perspective and make appropriate adjustments. Um, So that's what we think about when we think about uh, the first component, which is detached awareness. So now let's look at inclusive identity, which is the second component of a quiet ego. So this is a more integrative interpretation of the self and others. So they understand other perspectives in a way that allows them to identify with the experience of others. So we think about 
empathy and we think about compassion. And this approach really breaks down barriers and is a foundation for deeper understanding of our common humanity. And common humanity is one of the keys of self-compassion and compassion for others. So they're cooperative towards others rather than um, what rather than only focusing on what gets them ahead. Even in conflict, these people are capable of listening to the other perspective and learning something from the other person. Now think about that. When most of us are in conflict. Our defenses go straight up. So this this is a real skill to be able to uh, listen and learn from another person, even in the heat of conflict. Uh, you see the other person first rather than them as an opposing view, right? So we're really, it's person first. We really can um, see that. And then the third component of a quiet ego is perspective taking. So, you know, very simply, it's being able to take another person's view. It brings attention outside of the self. And I think that's a really important function of this component. We get outside of our own head. We get outside of our own selfish desires and needs, and it really helps to increase empathy and uh, compassion. And then the fourth component of a quiet ego is growth mindedness. That's something we talk about a lot on the podcast. So it's a mindset of personal growth. Uh, So think about growth mindset, abundance mindset. There is an interest in changing oneself over time. So this really does go hand in hand with self-awareness and self-leadership. We're invested in growth. We're invested in reaching our potential. We're invested in becoming the best version of ourselves that we can. And so that invites self-reflection and self-awareness. It also leads to pro-social behavior. So we play better on the playground with other people. uh, And we can question the long-term impact of actions in the moment. So this moment is, is not just, you know, Uh, impulsive or reactive, but we make decisions for this moment and for the road ahead, right? And so we are paying attention to the consequences of our actions, the impact of our decisions down the road. And uh, these folks can view the present moment as part of an ongoing life journey, um, that this is the process of growth rather than, you know, the present moment as a threat to oneself. And so that can be, um, I think, a really helpful perspective to keep in mind. Uh, So those are the four components of a quiet ego. And I just want to finish up with this last point, which is that a quiet ego is not the same as a silent ego. Uh, So a silent ego is when you squash the ego so much that it loses its identity. And sometimes this can help with happen with controlling parents. Sometimes we think about the role of shame in really silencing the self. And that's not what we're talking about with a quiet ego. If you remember, a quiet ego really is focused on balance and integration. So you have a voice and you make room for others. So really important distinction there. Um, And this is from Heidi Wayman, the researcher who developed the term quiet ego. The volume of the ego is turned down so that it might listen to others as well as the self in an effort to approach life more humanely and compassionately. So I think, again, it's that that balance is really key in, in what she shared there. So the goal of the quiet ego is to arrive at a less defensive, 
and more integrated stance towards self and others. So you don't lose your sense of self or deny your self-esteem needs. You still have goals. You still have desires. And you're able to cultivate a genuine identity that incorporates others without losing yourself Um, without feeling the need for those narcissistic displays of superiority, right? So you don't help anyone by making yourself smaller. And so that's not what we're talking about with the quiet ego. Uh, It makes room for you and others. And uh, the research is really clear that the quiet ego, like having a quiet ego, is an indication of healthy self-esteem. It's one that acknowledges your own limitations. It doesn't need to resort to defensiveness whenever the ego is threatened and yet you have a firm sense of self-worth and mastery. And so I think this is a really great concept to pay attention to and recognizing those moments where it's like, ooh, what can I do to turn down the volume of that ego, right? When you notice like maybe it's getting a little noisy. And I think uh, just even having some attention on that and paying attention to like this idea of a volume knob uh, can can be useful in terms of just... uh, uh, moderating yourself in situations. And I, I think that's helpful for, for each of us. Uh, so head on over to my website to check out the show notes with the resources for this episode at www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash 249-quietego. Again, that's www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash 249 quiet ego. Of course, I'd love to connect with you on Instagram at dr.melissasmith. I have lots more resources every day on the podcast tied or on the on Instagram tied to the podcast. And if you feel so inclined, I would love it if you would give the podcast a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. It helps people find the podcast and and hopefully it's it can be helpful for more uh, more people. So in the meantime, I'm Dr. Melissa Smith. Remember, love and work, work and love. That's all there is. Until next time, take good care.